And we saw how God couldn't have really chosen a more unlikely person to become the mother of the greatest prophet of Israel because she'd never been able to have children. And at that time, she was well past childbearing years. But what we saw in Elizabeth was that with everything stacked against her in that way, we saw that she was not only not willing to take on that task, but she was extremely willing, very enthusiastic, and very thankful that God had chosen her for that task, that enormous task of raising the greatest prophet in her older age. You know, there's a popular Christian saying that's been around for years, and it goes like, God doesn't call the qualified as much as he qualifies the called. So for this Father's Day, I would like to look at a certain person that God chose for a very special father's role. And again, if you think of this person and his circumstances at the time he was chosen, he may not seem to be that well fitted for the task, for the task that God had chosen him to take. But as we meet this man, he is not an experienced father. The Bible really doesn't tell us much about his personal life. And in fact, the Bible doesn't record even one word that this man spoke. He's just the silent character in the Bible. But I want to show you why I think this man is a model father. And the first time we meet him is as he is going through a very difficult, heartbreaking experience. And it's in Matthew chapter 1, and I'll happily turn from this. Oh, now it's not going to go. Okay. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25 tells us about this man or mentions this man. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And he felt like, according to the law, he could not marry her. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Joseph had found himself a godly woman to be his wife, and that's always a great uh, thing to do that will help the rest of your life. 
Joseph is a man devoted to God. He's careful to live by the law of Moses. But he discovers that the woman to whom he became legally bound, and in that culture, you signed a contract or you entered into a contract that you're going to marry this person that you agreed to with her family, and you were bound to that contract. So he discovers, as he's legally bound, that not only is it rumored that his wife-to-be has been unfaithful or immoral, but here she is, she's pregnant, way beyond any question. So what should he do? He can't really marry her according to you know, his morals and according to the law. She's been unfaithful. She's an immoral woman, though. What should he do? So a person in this situation would normally make it known that he is backing out of this marriage agreement because of this act of adultery. And it's called adultery if they're engaged and they have, you know, with another person before their marriage. And so most times they would make it known that I'm breaking off this agreement and they say it before the, the people that, you know, you should kind of a legal type people. And that would protect his own reputation. But here we see Joseph's godly character. We see kindness and mercy shine through. He says he will divorce her quietly so as not to bring public shame upon her. But you know, doing that will raise suspicions on his character. Because he's backing out of this marriage agreement. So he's really taking the hit for this. And we see here a man of mercy and kindness even risking his own reputation to protect Mary. So we see that great, admirable characteristic in him. And then we read of an angel of the Lord appearing to Joseph in a dream and addressing him as Joseph, son of David. Now, why would the angel call him son of David when his father's name is Jacob? Well, we know that he was in the line of David, and what the angel is saying as he calls him the son of David is that your child will become the Messiah from the line of David. The Messiah was, was prophesied to come from the line of David. Joseph was in the line of David, and the angel addresses him that way. And he goes on to tell Joseph <clears throat> that he not, does not need to be afraid of taking Mary. It won't be something immoral that he's doing. Because her conception was an act of God. Therefore, Joseph can take Mary righteously and stay true to the law since her conception was from the Holy Spirit himself. Now, you know, now Joseph's mind can be at ease in one sense, but that doesn't mean there aren't going to be misunderstandings over this birth. You know, they came from rural communities. And rural communities know everything that's going on about everybody. And in fact, there are a couple of places in the Gospels that seem to suggest that there were rumors going around about Mary having Jesus, being pregnant with Jesus before the marriage. And I imagine that Joseph had to deal with the very real likelihood that his reputation could take a hit 
and maybe would take a hit in some cases by taking this pregnant woman as his wife. But as 24 and 25 tell us, verses 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. So in spite of all that he might have suffered, he just woke up and said, did what he was told to do. And he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph simply follows the Lord's command. He takes Mary to home to be his wife, takes care of her during her pregnancy, waits until the baby is born to consummate the marriage, to have the pleasure of full intimacy with his wife. Joseph doesn't seem to be a big talker so far. He just does what God tells him to do. He's just a man of simple faith. And for him, if God says he has to do it or tells him to do it, he just does it. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, it tells how Joseph is required to travel to Bethlehem to register for a census that was called by Caesar Augustus. And those were called usually for tax purposes and military purposes. Now, this was at least a three-day journey. <clears throat> and Joseph ends up taking Mary with him. And it seems that she's quite far along because after they get there, she does have the baby. But, you know, the first thought would be leave Mary home with her family and go to Bethlehem and register. Some people think that Mary was in the line of David also. Let's not... For sure, but it could be, and so she may have been required to register also, but it could be that Joseph just wants to make certain he's with her when the baby's born, because he wants to protect that baby. He knows how important it is, and that shows you another thing about Joseph, his character. But you know, whatever the reason, Joseph is ordered to go. It's not a good time. It's a bad time for them, but he goes. And he ends up taking Mary. And Luke doesn't mention any questioning from Joseph or grumbling or exasperation. You know, a lot of times when the Lord appears to somebody and he tells them to do something very big or special, they always have questions. Me, Lord? I'm the youngest of my tribe. My tribe's the littlest one in Israel. And they, they kind of argue with the Lord oftentimes, like Moses and, and, and many others. It doesn't say Joseph argues or questions. It just always says, after he's spoken to, he just goes. He takes his wife and his unborn child with him. And while there, it comes time for the baby to be born. The inns were full, so they take refuge in some kind of animal shelter to have their baby. And Joseph and Mary take care of the baby right there in the shelter lay him in an animal trough, a feeding trough. Then we see that shepherds show up to the birthplace because they've been told by this humongous crowd of angels that their Savior has been born. And the shepherds were really overtaken by this announcement because it just says, multitude of angels. And we've seen in other parts of the Bible where sometimes it's thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. And this is probably one of the most important announcements they ever gave. 
So when they get to the birthplace, these, these shepherds who have seen all this and experienced all this, they're quite excited. And they get everyone worked up about this very special message, this very special gift from God that God has given to his people. It would be the Messiah who would rescue their nation. The coming king who would establish a powerful kingdom that's been prophesied all through their history. And here's the one. He's finally here. And it says that the shepherds went around and spread the word about what they had seen and everything that they've been told by the angels about this special child. And the Bible says that when all this excitement and commotion was taking place and everybody was, you know, stirred up about it and excited about it, it says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She had a different reaction than the, than the crowds. And do you know what it says about Joseph and his reactions? Nothing. Doesn't even mention him. <laughs> He's this silent character. And it goes on to say that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, according to the law, <clears throat> it says he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given them, you know, before he was conceived. And that would be the father making that decision to name him and to have him circumcised. So that was Joseph, you know, who led in that. But he isn't even mentioned. He just does what he's told to do. He just kind of comes across as this faithful, silent character, character who is just going to do what God tells him to do. And he's devoted to God and he's serious about what God gives him to do. And then we go 40 days after the birth. And the time comes, according to the Jewish law, for the purification rites for the mother. And then for the couple to present the child to the Lord as the firstborn. Well, as, as just as a birth. And then to consecrate him as their firstborn. So like three, three things they go for. And this is when they meet Simeon, who had been longing to see the Messiah, <clears throat> the Lord's anointed one. And Simeon sees them going into the temple complex, and he's told, okay, this is the child. And Simeon takes that baby into his arms, and he prophesies about the greatness of God in sending this child to rescue his people. And this is the long-awaited promise of God. And Joseph and Mary marvel at his words. They're just taken back by what this man, this prophet, tells them. And Simeon blesses them, <clears throat> and he turns to Mary, and he prophesies about the child, and tells her, you know, some serious stuff coming up against this child. And he tells her that a sword will pierce her own soul, too. And you know what he says to Joseph? Nothing. Just a silent character there. And then if we go back to Matthew chapter 2, <clears throat> we have Magi from the east coming, searching for the one-born king of the Jews. They've seen his star. This leads to Herod sending soldiers to kill the one-born king of the Jews, because he doesn't want any competition. And then an angel of the Lord tells Joseph in a dream 
to take this child and his mother and go to Egypt to protect the child. And it says, Joseph gets up, takes the family to Egypt in obedience to the Lord, and the child is saved from Herod's murderous schemes. And then after Herod dies, an angel of the Lord tells Joseph to take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because Herod has died. So they return to Israel, and Joseph is warned in a dream not to settle in Judea, the southern part, near Jerusalem, because Herod's son Archelaus was ruling at that time, and he was extremely cruel and ended up even being stripped of his reign because of his cruelty. But Joseph takes Mary and Jesus to Galilee, to the town of Nazareth, because of the, you know, being told by the Lord to do that. And it ends up fulfilling prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. <clears throat> and all that time, you know what Joseph said? Nothing. <laughs> That's right. And if he did, probably somebody would say, who asked you? <laughs> and then the last episode we, we will look at is in Luke chapter 2, where Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem, in the temple, while everyone else from his hometown goes back from the Passover uh, celebration when he's 12. <clears throat> so Joseph and Mary find out that Jesus is not with them, thinking he had come with some other family or some neighbors or whatever. And they go back, and they've traveled one day, they travel back a day, they look for him for a day, they find him in the temple, and it's, he amazes them because he is talking with the teachers, and he's discussing the deep things of Scripture with these teachers of the law, these older teachers of the law. And he's amazing everyone that's listening. You know, but Mary's all upset, of course, and she scolds Jesus for putting them through such a scare... And Jesus is 12, and he wonders, didn't you realize I need to be in my father's house? And you know, they would have these ceremonies, we call them bar mitzvahs now, where a child would become an adult at the age of 13. So you see Joseph here at 12, and he's right on the threshold of becoming an adult in that culture. So <clears throat> Mary asks him and scolds him and he said didn't you know I need to be in my father's house but guess who it is that isn't shown to say anything in this conversation Joseph <laughs> he's, he's not, no, no words are recorded from him and the gospels have no words coming out of Joseph's mouth anywhere and so many times you know, a person is remembered for their words or some spe special speech or some saying or something like that. Sometimes people try to, famous people try to think of a saying so they can be known for it. But Joseph, there's no speech even recorded from him. <clears throat> and so here's Joseph. He's not this out-front character. He's kind of behind the scenes. But look at the responsibility that God chose him to handle. I mean, to protect and care for 
the, the very son of God who would have to endure. And Joseph goes through all of this, this rumors of immorality, taking on the task of raising, being responsible for and protecting the very son of God, the Messiah of Israel, the one who would save the nation. And he was awakened in his dreams time after time in order to rescue his family, take them to places of safety. And each time it just says he got up and he went. Every time he's told to do something, he just does it. Never a question, never a complaint. You know, probably not even a huff. And he's there when he's needed. He does what he's told to do. And he fulfills maybe the most crucial father's role a person could ever be given. I mean, you know, in a sense, it was Joseph as his protector against Satan because Satan was out to kill him. And Satan had people that had power that could have killed him. And, Jesus, or, and God used Joseph in order to protect Jesus and to just take him from one country to another, one place to another. And protect him. And of course he had the help of God. Which is enormous. But it took a lot of physical effort to do that. You know when we have the help of God. It's not that just God does it and we don't do anything right. When we have the help of God. He helps us do what we're supposed to do. And this is what he did with Joseph. And to me you know it's interesting. That Joseph is such a background character with almost nothing said of him, yet so much is put on his shoulders. And I believe that he can be a great model father for us today. Because, you know, he was sold on serving God and obeying God and carrying out God's plan for his life. He was very obedient to God. He accepted the challenges that God gave him. His total commitment to God's plan, of which he is playing a part, was just, you know, out front. <clears throat> and we don't get the sense that he was doing things for his own benefit, do we? I mean, we get the opposite. That Joseph was there to serve God. And he did it in the most important role. And I believe that we men could really benefit from seeing Joseph as a model father and a model man, or even grandfather. Over the years, you know, <clears throat> maybe you've heard this too, but I've heard a number of times, like at conferences when women speak, they'll say, in every Mother's Day, we get this Proverbs 31 lady thrown at us. <laughs> and how could we ever keep up with her? And I'm thinking, well, maybe Joseph can be the counterpart to the Proverbs 31 women for men. Maybe we can learn a few lessons from Joseph. You know, they ask <clears throat> presidents towards the end of their time, you know, their, their time in office, what do you want your legacy to be? And I know some presidents, are, they try to do something real big, some big movement or something, you know. It could be, you know, some community help or whatever. So they, their name could go down. This is their legacy. You know, they helped this part of a nation. But Joseph, he really wasn't out 
to really make a legacy for himself, was he? He just had a desire to nurture, a desire to please God. He strove to live a life of simple obedience. He did not automatically question God when God gave him an enormous tasks and huge, you know, opposition. He refrained, refrained from seeking attention from others for what he did. He consciously sought to be a man of humility. He, he accepted the situations in which we find ourselves just to be faithful. He was, he was satisfied not to be celebrated, but just to be faithful and obedient. You know, our society worships <clears throat> celebrity status. And, you know, even in business and everything we do, they you know, get your name out there. Find something you can be known for. I've even been to conferences where people, they would bring people in from businesses. And they would say, they would try to use the McDonald's model or something like that. And they'd say, what can your church do that no other church is doing there in your town? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to do something nobody else is doing. But Joseph seemed to be the opposite of that. He wasn't out to make a name for himself. He wasn't out to outshine others in some area. He just simply obeyed. And if God said to do it, he just did it. No matter how hard it was, no matter how much against the grain it was, He'd get up from his sleep and he'd move to another country. May we be men of Joseph-type character. And may we be used of God to fulfill his plans in his way according to his sovereignty and his wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.